What's happening? Welcome to Wong Notes Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Wong. Today is a different kind of episode because I have one of the doctors on my team here. <laughs> Sounds like, like, you know, like I got him on staff or something. That's not really the case. He's just this cat that I see all the time to keep my wellness and my body in check because... I got a philosophy. You're going to hear me talk about it here. I think that a lot of musicians don't treat themselves like athletes do. Yet, at a certain point, what we do is very physical. Especially if we're working on our chops a lot, if we're working on technique things, if we're working on the efficiency of motion, and if we're just doing things a lot. A lot of repetitive use and touring. That's hard on the body. Sometimes. It can be. I think just inherently it is hard on the body a lot of times, but there's ways that we can combat it messing us up. And that's what I want to talk a little bit about today. That's what Dr. Charlie and I get into. Now, the ep- this episode's kind of, the interview's kind of long, okay? We get into some stuff you might not be as interested, so I'm just going to give you the quick TLDR right now. Basically, for me, I feel like that a big part of what helps me as a musician not to get injured, not to have so much fatigue, and to really get the maximum out of my body. And many other people on my team have had the same sort of success following these sort of things. Here's the principles. Now, this first one's going to sound really simple. Eat healthy and get enough sleep. Wow! Bet you never heard that before. Now, we all have our own version of what eating healthy means. So to start with that, it's like for me, I think mostly fresh whole foods. Now that doesn't mean, you know, I'm not going to preach to you about not eating meat or animal protein, whatever. I personally, 90% of my diet is not anything to do with animals. Okay, whatever. I'm just going to leave it there. As far as sleep goes, I prioritize eight hours of sleep every night. A lot of people ask me, dude, you're so proficient. You're so prolific. Do you not sleep? Quite the opposite. I make sure that I get eight hours a night. And that's what helps me have energy throughout the day so I can do the things that I need to do. Now, as far as other things, body posture is huge. Charlie and I talk about that. And also understanding where you hold tension in your body and training yourself to release that tension. Because as you will notice, if you start, if you're playing, like pretend that you're playing acoustic guitar, your right, for those of us that are right-handed on the guitar, your strumming hand, your shoulder is going to go up and your elbow is going to go up. Now, what if you relax your shoulder, but let your elbow go up? It's going to remove some tension in your upper back and what we call tech neck, where you're like shoulders are up and like where phones are in our faces and where fingers on our keyboards and that sort of thing. If you relieve some of the tension in your upper back and upper arm, it then flows downstream and it creates a little less tension in your arms and your hands. So those are some of the principles that we talk about here, how to keep some of yourself loose, how to stretch your forearms, your wrists, your hands. For me, so much of my game is flexibility and mobility in my wrist, in my strumming hand. That sucker's got that sucker is loose, and so much of my technique has to do with my flexibility, my mobility, 
and the strength of all of that to keep it together. And the one, the number one thing that I found with preventing injuries and helping after I've done a lot of technique practice is stretching. Now it sounds absurd and it sounds so simple, but the other thing to really do is stretch the full range of motion of your muscles. And then also work out. Try to strengthen things at the full range of motion of your muscles. If you take a look at the way that you strum and you just pretend, hold your pick and pretend you're going on the D string or whatever. When you do that and you hold tension and you do that for an hour, you're only really moving your pick a little bit because you want the most efficient motion, right? But what you're doing is repeating this motion over and over and over again. So you can eventually develop a repetitive motion injury. The way that you prevent that is take a look at how you're picking. Now, take a look at the muscles that are being used. You're only using them from this small, small range of motion. Now, try to try to extend that motion all the way one way. Stretch your muscle that way and try to put a little tension on it from maybe your other hand. So for me, I'm pushing my fingers all the way down and I'm strengthening all the way at the end of that motion. And then go to the opposite and stretch the opposite direction. Now what you're doing is basically you're you're stretching the entire sweep of your picking. Same thing with your fingers on your fretting hand and your wrist on your fretting hand. Stretching that all the way, strengthening that all the way. Some people do exercises where they'll twist like a I have this thing that's like a big rubber what is it called? Hold on, let me look it up here. A TheraBand flex bar. It's basically just like a tube of rubber and you twist it on one wrist like you pull it one way and push it the other way opposite directions with your wrists and then you do the opposite and you keep you just get a bunch of reps there so that way for me I do that all the time to strengthen my wrists and also to really work on their flexibility and strength at the edge of what my range of motion is. So I'm looking to strengthen at the extremes of my range of motion and also improve my range of motion to prevent injuries. That to me is my biggest tip for guitar players regarding preventing injuries, that sort of thing. But we get into some of this stuff with Charlie. Look, you're not gonna learn about D minor seven flat five voicings in this episode. It's about taking care of the body. So. I hope you enjoy it. This is a different one. I really enjoyed my conversation. Charlie helps take care of my body and the other cats on my team. He does chiropractic work. He does a lot of muscle work. And I am telling you, it does wonders for us. Everybody has different versions of how their body responds to things. For me and the cats in my band, it is incredible. I feel more loose. I feel like (sighs) refreshed. And part of that is just taking care of my body and doing the body work. How about that? Let's hit it. You guys hit the distro kid yet? It is the easiest, fastest, and cheapest way to get your music onto streaming services like Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, pretty much anywhere else that people consume music. You can get an account starting at $19.99 per year. Per year? 
You get unlimited uploads and you keep 100% of your earnings. 100%. So for somebody like me, I put out I put out a lot of albums last year. It was still just one annual price, no matter how many albums I have up. And I keep 100% of the earnings that come in. There's a lot of reasons I love DistroKid, but the ones I want to highlight here are the Teams feature. So basically, I can assign a percentage of royalties to go to any of my collaborators, however we work it out, or my managers work with their managers, and we work out you know whatever percentage split. My percentage goes to me, and then DistroKid gives the other percentage to the other collaborator or artist. It works amazing, and neither one of us as artists needs to handle the accounting. DistroKid just does it for us. Set! If you'd like to give them a try, use my VIP link to get 30% off your first year of DistroKid membership. DistroKid.com slash VIP slash Corey Wong. There it is. Let's get to the episode. Sweet. Charlie, thanks so much for being with us. It's really fun to have you on, to get to know you over the last couple of years, and you have made a big difference in helping me understand my body and how to best use it as kind of like the athlete mindset of playing music. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on here, uh, Corey. Man, it's it's truly an honor. I mean, just to look at the uh, the lineup for this season and to see all these uh, these legends that you have on your podcast uh, and to see my name somehow on some <laughs> list, the same list of these people, it's just it's absolutely mind blowing. So uh, I appreciate uh, the invite, and I hope I can provide some uh, some good information and some insight to uh, to your listeners. Yeah. So a lot of people are guitar players, probably most people, because it's a premier guitar, Corey Wong podcast. So naturally, we cater to guitar players and a lot of bass players, other musicians as well. But I want to start by talking about injury prevention, because when you, when you, of course, enjoy music, but you're also watching the musicians and how they're sitting when they're practicing, how they're standing on stage. Some of these things that the way the body mechanics work, the way the posture of certain musicians is let's start with guitar players. What kind of injuries do you see or what kind of tension do you see with guitar players and how can some of those things be prevented? Well, you know, first off, I think uh, earlier you kind of hit the nail on the coffin when you said that uh, you made the comparison to, to athletes. And to me, when I first got started and kind of first had the light bulb moment and the idea that I wanted to Uh, dedicate my career to treating musicians, um, I had the realization that musicians are athletes. They're small muscle athletes. Um, It's all repetitive motions. If you were to explain to an alien, uh, you know, (laughs) the difference between a basketball player and a drummer, for example, someone who's running up and down a court and shooting a ball in a cylindrical hoop versus someone who's banging two sticks on a, a drum for an hour and a half, they would they would have no idea the difference between those two. It's all repetitive motions. Um, so musicians in a lot of ways are athletes. And if you think about it, athletes have every healthcare provider, therapist, you know, chiropractor, PT, they have all of those people at their disposal and they're completely self-aware of their body. They're very in tune uh, with injury, with performance enhancement mechanisms, and musicians don't have any of that. Yeah. And so first off and foremost, I think just teaching musicians the basics of performance enhancement protocols, injury prevention, um, really simple ideas and concepts 
have been really uh, benef- beneficial and impactful and have gone a, a long way. So, you know, all the things that I'm learning, I learned in school as a chiropractor, I just applied those principles that we learn treating athletes yeah. to musicians, because a lot of people, including our schools, haven't made that connection. Yeah. Um, that it, And so whenever I was going through school, I was learning um, and kind of uh, honing in on the m- repetitive motions that a guitar player would would be making on stage or a drummer would be making and applying the same principles that were taught to uh, prevent that those injuries in athletes to to musicians and those specific motions. The other thing, too, is, you know, athletes are traditionally the healthiest people on the planet. Uh, They're top tier. They're sleeping right. They're eating right. They're exercising, you know, uh, and musicians traditionally don't. (laughs) Well, they're more aware of their physical. I don't know. They, they're not, well, I guess I can't speak for every athlete. I mean, you got your like John Daly's and your oh, yeah, that's Dennis true. Rodman's out there, but <laughs> which, you know, they work what they do. They work out very hard, but they have, like you're saying, they have teams for the team that are a bit like they have teams of physicians and, and physical trainers and people that are watching diets, workout routines, all of that, where we sometimes are our own coach and eyes on our hands how we're doing things or you know sure we, we don't have somebody who's paying attention to the way that we eat the way that we're working out or practicing i mean obviously you have teachers or whatever mm-hmm. but in all that you said <laughs> you use the term performance enhancement when i think of that i'm thinking some extracurricular performance enhancement i know you don't mean pumping steroids or no, hgh in no, your no, body no. so i want to hear your your what, sure. what your definition of performance enhancement is and what that means for musicians sure well first off i i mean my favorite definition of chiropractic which i think applies to basically a lot of of the soft tissue work and 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 exercise rehab stuff that i'm doing too mm-hmm. uh, basically my favorite definition on what i'm trying to achieve when i have a, a interaction with a patient or a musician i'm working with is a system of optimizing human performance and potential by restoring or enhancing the body's function. So there's a lot of people out there who aren't doing simple things to keep their body maintained. You know, like, for example, your your listeners are mostly guitarists. There's a lot of guitarists out there that aren't having any soft tissue work done to their arms, to their shoulders. Can you define soft tissue work for people that don't know what that is? Sure. So like manual therapy. So uh, something as simple as massage is is soft tissue work. You know, I use uh, some soft tissue, a soft tissue technique called active release technique. Uh, I do instrument assisted soft tissue mobilizations. Like if you use like a tool or like a Theragun or some sort of device like that, it's basically like getting an oil change, but for your bodies and your muscles. So you gotta, you gotta work those tissues and you gotta keep them fresh. You can't run a car engine without changing the oil every once in a while and so i think there's just an incredible amount of people not just musicians who just aren't having these things done now you can go to someone like me to have this done but you can do a lot of this stuff on your own it's just maintenance and you know the amount of use that you are putting your body through is a necessity you know take it one step farther and a lot of people are in a pro-inflammatory state so our diets are are pro-inflammatory where eat and a lot of what we eat is very inflammatory. And so that puts our bodies in in a a prone state to injury. 
So, you know, you got, you got built up inflammation, you're not doing any maintenance on the muscles or the tissues that you're using on a daily basis. Your posture sucks because all of our posture sucks in today's world. Yeah. You know, we sit too much and we move too little. And then when you take all those things together, you know, we're seeing a lot of the same the same types of repetitive stress injury. And yeah. it's the simplest concepts that can fix them, you know, whether that's just a couple uh, counteractive exercises, working that into your routine each day, trying to eat an anti-inflammatory diet, increasing your water intake, trying to sleep on a routine schedule, which I know is hard for, for touring yeah. musicians, that can have the most profound effect. Which sounds so simple to say, but... It just makes so much sense. You eat a healthier diet, drink more water, get good sleep. Those things are a very good start. These are not things that you need the Golden State Warriors physical training team to tell you. It's like, you know, these things will make a huge difference. And I've noticed that in my life. I prioritize eight hours of sleep every night. I have a big Nalgene bottle that I fill up, make sure I drink one before lunch and one through the rest of the day. And I've noticed huge huge impacts on that. So I want to, because we've talked to, you use the, the word repetitive use or repetitive motion injuries. Mm-hmm. And that to me, so when I was in college, I had what I thought was beginnings of carpal tunnel or yeah. something like that. I was pretty scared. Sure. And I didn't do a lot of stretching. It was some of my stuff in my right hand, some of my left hand. Granted, at the time I was practicing about eight hours a day or something. And I, I might have my hands on the instrument that much now, but it's not the same intense sure. training that I was going through or whatever. Yeah. But also my, my practice techniques and my scheduling and my body awareness has now made it where I don't ever feel injury or I don't ever feel that sort of pain. Sometimes I feel like, wow, I've been working a muscle. Just like sure. if, I, if I go run 12 miles, my legs are going to be sore. My calves might be sore. If, or my, you know, if I'm doing a lot of uphill, my shins are going to be sore. You know, so there's certain things in my playing where I'm going to feel some of those sort of soreness or muscle use but i want to talk about some specific things to get i so because just specific things as a guitar player where we sometimes will feel tension pain talk about how to prevent those and how to stretch the muscles or specific things that we can do to help in the event of those things so i think a lot of those issues that you were describing is people use the term carpal tunnel a lot when yeah, they yeah. have pain in their wrists and hands. And and I can tell you very rarely does true carpal tunnel actually yeah. walk in your door. Um, a lot of those issues are, are essentially the tissues that you're, the muscles you're using are being used too much and they're in a pro-inflammatory state. And it's more like a tendonitis issue, mm. right? So you can have tendonitis in a lot of different parts in your body based on what, you know, your specific repetitive motion that you're using. But yeah, daily stretches. Uh, I like something called cross friction massage, um, which is where when you identify the, you know, and a lot of this, you know, requires you to maybe and I, I suggest that, you know, all your listeners out there find a really good chiropractor or physical therapist that they can meet with that can just teach them the basics on mm-hmm. this, you know, because that's what I that's what I feel like I do is yeah. more education. Uh, with anyone that I work with, then rather them actually coming in here, me doing some kind of magic thing and fixing their problems, really all I'm doing is educating them on what's specifically going on. Yeah. I wish I could, you know, tell you right now a list of things for them to do to re- to prevent injury, but a lot of that is just very situational because yeah. nobody is cookie cutter. Yeah. You know, um, and no guitarist is cookie cutter. There's differences in technique. Yeah. There's differences in 
you know, playing style, as you well know, there's differences in posture and how you're holding yourself on stage. So, you know, let's say I have someone with uh, extensor muscle tendonitis or tennis elbow, let's say. So I'll show them the proximal attachment of that muscle. So where all those muscles attach, uh, where they originate from. And then I'll have them uh, put tension on their muscle and cross friction massage that muscle yeah. perpendicular to the muscle fibers. And that's a way to keep the, those, that specific muscle group fresh. Yeah. Um, so cross friction massage. So is, for example, uh, for that one, just because people can't see what you do, pretend that you're holding a m- mug of something in your hands. If your hand's on a mug, the muscles sticking upward on the top of your forearm where your forearm meets your elbow press by giving tension, tension you press down yeah. and you just slide back and forth on those tendons cross friction massage perpendicular to the way that those muscle fibers are yeah. running and so if you look up you can google common extensor origin so anyone out there who has ten, uh, <laughs> tennis elbow right now yeah. google common extensor origin that's where all the muscles that are involved in in tennis elbow i mean there can be some some synergistic muscles involved too yeah uh but the main ones cross friction yeah. massage so so doing that and elongating those muscles and getting some movement and some sensory input into those tissues on a semi-routine basis yeah uh, will go a long way you know there's other things too that that we recommend uh you know cold laser therapy so photobiomodulation is a huge thing in medicine right now a hot yeah. topic you have dentists that are using laser therapy uh post tooth extraction you have surgeons doing it pre and post any sort of surgery because it speeds up the body's naturally healing process you got mm-hmm. i have a laser we have chiropractors using it and yeah. so you know things like that if it's to the point where you can't prevent it but it's already there yeah um yeah can go a long way you know certainly seeing a chiropractor um getting on an anti-inflammatory supplement can go a long way so mm-hmm. you know there it, it uh, there's a lot you can do, but a lot of it is situational based on where the problem is. And I think that's key is getting insight as to where the problem is coming from, what's the source of the problem, but then also what it is that you're doing that's causing it. Yeah. Because a lot of 90% of the people that walk into my door, they don't know why they're walking into the door. They know what hurts and they know kind of what makes it feel better and what makes it feel worse, but they don't know how it started. Yeah. You know, unless you slip and fall in the ice, you, you know, know exactly when it, you, yeah. know, you know how it happens. Yeah. So I feel like most of my job in what I do is trying to I make my patient aware of what that issue is. And then when they're aware of that, it's like they can take care of the issue on their own. So yeah. I would advise your your listeners to find a really good healthcare provider, physical therapist, chiropractor that yeah. can be on their team and they can bounce ideas off of it yeah. whenever they have, a, you know, and, and it doesn't, it's not something where you have to go and see him all the time. You know, you just kind of have that initial experience, learn about yourself, learn about your body, and then go and see that person when you need to. Yeah. Okay. I want to do some specific things. And just uh, talk about, because I want to talk about some specific things that guitar players have asked about. I told some people that I was interviewing you for this. Awesome. Thinking, okay, what, what, is, what do some people want to know about some of this injury prevention? Let's go with right hand first. So my right hand technique, you know I have this kind of wide stroke. I, my 
hand goes super far up and super far down. Mm -hmm. So what I have is a lot of this huge swoop, and it's more of this full-on doorknob sort of twisting of things. So for me, I notice that a lot of my tension is more of the... What we just talked about. What we talked about with the tennis elbow thing where my... It's kind of the forearm muscles. Like if I'm holding a mug, it's the muscles that are that are at the top meeting the elbow. Then there's another technique. Um, well, and actually sometimes if I'm gripping my pick too tight, I'll feel it just underneath my wrist in my forearm, just kind of in the first part of my forearm. And on the that's on the front side of the wrist that Corey's yeah. indicating right yep. now. Yep. So if my if I just lay my the back of my hand on the table, the, what's facing up, that's sometimes where I'll feel that tension and where you can see this, yep. the tendon coming up in your forearm. Those are the forearm flexor muscles. Yep. And to grip a pick like that with your wrist in slight flexion, you're engaging the forearm flexors. Yep. And so the perfect technique is to try to play with a neutral wrist, right? Because mm-hmm. then you're not pre-contracting those yeah. forearm flexors. So if you're forearm flexors or any muscle for for that matter is in pre-contraction so it's contracted so my hand is is like if i have my hand straight up if i lean my hand forward bring my hand in a little bit which is kind of what i do Mm -hmm. with my technique which i know is not it's not optimal but also it's how you're able to achieve all this crazy so that's it's like yeah it's not the perfect technique but i i find ways to make it not hurt or ways to optimize or just be aware of where tension is building up naturally and not enhance it. Exactly. So for you, doing some cross-friction massage and self-massage on those specific tendons that yep. you just indicated yep. that are pre-contracted before you generate your motion on your guitar strum would be super beneficial for you. So stretching before a practice session. Actually, probably the most beneficial thing for you would be to do that self-massage stuff after you're doing all those all, all, all your uh, yeah. show or a session, yeah, yeah. Yeah. marathon session. Yeah. And that's because you're, that's when you're causing all that micro injury to, to those muscles and to those tendons. Now yeah. you're able to heal up on your own and you're a healthier dude than most, Yeah, but there's a limit. Everybody has a limit, yeah. right? So I think the key is, is making sure that you are not exceeding that limit on a daily basis. And so maintenance on those specific tendons is key and crucial. And on some level, you're engaging and using every muscle in your upper extremity, of course, you know, but there are some that you're doing more than others. And I think that forearm, the tendons in your forearm, the the flexor tendons in your forearm are a perfect example because of the amount of power that you're using when you're engaging your thumb and your index finger to hold a pick. Yeah. On the flip side, when you were talking about your strumming technique, the amount of rotation that you specifically have at your elbow, your radius is the bone that's generating that yeah, the movement, movement yeah. that motion. So basically the radius is our one of the two bones in our, our forearm that whenever you're doing that doorknob motion, yeah. it's rotating over, uh, it's the bone that's rotating doing that. So all the muscles that are connected to that radius that are generating that that circular motion are the muscles that we need to give attention to you Yeah. Um, on because of the amount of circumduction that you're doing when you're rotating your, your arm. Yeah. And like I said, nobody is cookie cutter. So yeah, exactly. when I, when I look at Corey play, it, it's completely like apples and oranges. It's completely different when I watch another guitarist. Play. Yeah. 
So, for example, check the like some, a classic, uh, very good lead guitar technique, <laughs> like proper lead guitar. John Petrucci out there. Mark Lettieri has really great technique this way. His is a little bit different. His his wrist is a little looser, but like the the smaller stroke, kind of the neutral classic wrist. neutral wrist, all the metalheads technique. Like it's right in here, very minimal motion, and it's kind of a back and forth wrist like this, where the wrist rocks back and forth. It's a very different stroke than mine. Like your, my stroke is is that radius turning over and back all the time. With the, with the forearm in slight flex. Yes. So like you're saying without a cookie cutter thing, another right hand technique is like this, because this is where people find themselves in less injury. But when I do this motion, I definitely feel it working a different set of small muscles. And I think a lot of that depends on which fingers in particular you're gripping with. So that's a lot of, that's another thing people don't necessarily think about. But sure which fingers you're engaging, those fingers work their way all the way up the forearm. Yeah. And so a lot of times it's dependent on which fingers you're contracting and engaging where on your forearm you're having any sort of issue. Yeah. So um, where is this kind of classic proper lead guitar technique, this, this sort of motion? Where are people going to feel tension here? And where can, how can they... Is this also a cross-tension massage thing? Well, or? honestly, what, what, as I'm looking at you right now, where I think you'd probably have most of your issues is in your neck and shoulders. Well, we're going to get there. That's but, me. That's on my own. Yeah. Because that's a whole other thing that plays into yeah. this whole thing we're talking about is we're giving a lot of attention right now to the forearm and the hand, but a lot of that is also dependent on how shoulder is being held and how neck is being held. Mm. Uh, you know, take musicians out of the element. We're all human beings and we live in a flexor dominant society. And so- Can you explain that a little bit? So we're, we, we sit way more than we once did. And yeah. when we're in the sitting position, our flexor muscles, which are all the muscles on the front half of our body are yeah. engaged in order to bring us into that position. Yeah, we're all leaning forward. We're hunched over our phones. Yeah, you see the classic illustration of yeah. the devolving picture, you know, yeah. caveman to <laughs> yeah, human, yeah. <laughs> and now we're back to caveman again. But we're losing the natural curvature in our necks. Our shoulders are internally rotated and adducted, so they're slumped forward. And, you know, guess where all the nerves that are powering up our muscles and our hands and our forearms, they're all coming from that area right? So mm -hmm. if we have structural deviations that are occurring in our shoulders and our neck, that has an effect on the nerves, which are basically the electric, the electric wires that yeah. are powering up those muscles downstream. So I think a lot of musicians in today's world are having problems and issues in their arms because it's repetitive stress injury yeah. in their arms, but it's also being exacerbated by the fact that we're all having issues because of sitting too much yeah. and technology and staring at our phones yeah. and sitting in, in a slouched position. So, you know, I think when you can address, when I have someone who comes in and has a problem, if we're addressing the issue downstream. Down yeah. yeah. So we got to go upstream along, to see what's, yeah. Along yeah. with the neck and the shoulder, that's when we get this really incredible, like profound increase. Always, they'll walk out and they'll be like, whoa, like I feel way better. And it's yeah. like, it's, it's because we're not addressing pro the one problem and we're not chasing the pain and saying, oh, it hurts here. I'm going to treat this. It's trying to identify all the restrictions that are feeding into the system, the system that's creating pain symptoms. Yeah. So let's let's go upstream on my 
on my thing and just how a lot of guitar players are. Because our we naturally are in an asymmetrical position. Our elbow goes our right elbow, for those of us that are right-handed, our right elbow goes up, and sometimes along with that, our shoulder starts to creep up towards the ear. Yeah. Especially in acoustic guitar players, you just kinda your arm has to get over the instrument to play. So that all of a sudden naturally as soon as you bring your shoulder, your right shoulder up towards your right ear, it's going to bring tension into the upper trap. Yeah, upper trap here into the, into your upper back and then even into some of the right shoulder area where some acoustic guitar players will have rotator cuff injury, like yeah. almost kind of like like a baseball pitcher. And it's like they, you know, they don't even think about And a lot of times those are there I find that's a perfect example because a lot of times those people are going home and they're spending all night sleeping on that side. But just mm. think about the position you're in when you're sleeping on your side, your shoulders in complete internal rotation and adduction, right? So if I'm analyzing a player's technique and I see that their shoulder is in the position that you're just talking about when they're yeah. playing, uh, and then I ask them, do, are you a side sleeper by chance? Do you sleep on that right side? Maybe they have a history of rotator cuff problems yeah. and shoulder issues specifically. And say, yeah. yeah, yeah, I do. And, you know, so that's one intervention that we can make that seems super simple, but can have a crazy profound effect because you spend seven hours, seven, eight hours a night in that position. So yeah. if you're playing all day with your shoulder in complete internal rotation and adduction, then you go home and you sleep on that side and that shoulder's in that extreme forward position. Yeah. Well, then you're spending pretty much all your time in that position and so then what I would do is I would prescribe posterior strengthening muscles, counteractive exercises that that person can do on a daily basis that yep. are designed to basically put your shoulder in the opposite position to draw the shoulder yeah. back. We've done some of these. It's the one that I remember is just kind of putting my hands up like wall uh, angel, a walled angel, like wall angel, a wall angel, like yeah. a, like a football goalpost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my arms are up and then I just move my elbows back to kind of work on those back muscles. No sure. no weights even involved. Just kind of push those back. And so what we're trying a little bit and hold. Yeah, and what we're trying to do is get extension into the thoracic spine, which is the mid back. Yeah. Engage the muscles that are in the posterior part of the shoulder complex. So instead of the shoulder the muscles on the front, the back. Yeah. To strengthen them because they're inherent. To counterbalance the fact that I'm always hunched over. Forward flexion. Yes. <laughs> Flexion-based yeah. society. Um, just like we talked about earlier. Yeah. And so I think a lot of that, is, like, again, is situational. To pay, I wish I had a magic, the Charlie protocol to fix all musicians' injuries. But it's just so dependent on that person's habits on and off the stage. Yeah. Their technique. Their plan. And that's the thing. I don't like changing technique or playing style. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't really. Yeah, certain I mean, people, it's just the way that they play. You just have to figure out where are they potentially going to run into some issues with their body the way that they're doing something. And so the key is introducing things to help balance that system. Yeah. You know, and so we wouldn't want to change technique, but how can we balance the amount of time that you're spent, you know, in this position and doing yeah. these doing playing your sport you got to think about it a, a basketball player has certain areas where they get injured more than you know a soccer player has more leg injuries because their sport is using their legs yeah a, a lot of what we do as healthcare providers and chiropractors and pts are identifying those those areas of use 
identifying the habits and the technique and then counterbalancing the system. All right, all right. At the beginning of the episode, you heard me talking about DistroKid. I'm going to mention him again because it's worth it to me. I really think that if you are an artist, you should have an easy and comfortable way to upload your music and get it distributed to all the streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, YouTube Music, blah, 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 all that stuff. You should have a way to do that. DistroKid makes it really easy. And also, they don't take a percentage. They do not take a percentage of your royalties. That's amazing. All they do is charge a yearly fee. I love it. I use it. If you're making your own music and want to put it out there in the world, I would suggest using DistroKid. That's that. Easy as that. Let's get back to the interview. Okay, let's let's move forward. So right hand, tennis elbow, the cross tension, cross muscle tension. Same with on the forearm side. The other, as far as your right shoulder, balancing some of those exercises Working or stretches. Posture. posture to kind of counter that. How about left hand? So in the fretting hand... Now, actually, so we talked about this in, in the way that you treat my body. You focus on what I would consider the back of my forearms on my right hand. Because yep. that's more like the tennis elbow stuff. Yep. But on the left arm, because so much of our motion is squeezing, we work on the front side or the, I guess the... Uh, Flexors. Yeah, the inside of the forearm. Sure. So for us as guitar players, some people have asked about thumb soreness, this big thumb muscle thing and tension in there. Others have asked about some wrist things. So some people, you know, when they're playing, if I'm squeezing the neck, squeezing down on frets, I try to keep a pretty neutral wrist position, but sometimes you have to get in a spot where your your hand is kind of bent over into some of these weird shapes, which of course pinches this area getting into it. So with the left hand, can you talk about just that whole system in the left hand and how that, how that what guitar players can do to help? Yeah, and so so typically where when you brought up thumb pain, was that specifically on the left hand? Or yeah, the, or? in the squeezing hand, like this muscle, like sure. if, if I'm squeezing the neck, this muscle here that that goes kind of against the mm-hmm. neck. Um, well, we see that the base problem of the on the thumb. on the right on the right hand, obviously from squeezing the pick too. Because yeah, of the pick. yeah. Um, but yeah, left hand we left arm we do traditionally see more problems in the flexor muscles, but. You know, traditionally, it's it's more on muscles on the outside because of the, the power people are generating when they're fretting with their, their middle fingers. Now, I know a lot of people fret over the... Yeah, with their thumb. Like Jimi Hendrix style. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And if that's the case, then you're going to have the same similar issue that you're having when you're picking. Mm. Um, but yeah, left arm is traditionally forearm flexor muscles. So what I like to tell people is I'm like, Look at your technique or your playing style in a mirror. Look at the position that your arm is in. And for stretches, put your arm in the opposite position, right? Yeah. So this would be great if this was a video podcast. I, I could like, <laughs> so we'll have to do a follow-up. Yeah, we can, tell, we can tell people. So just for the imagery, pretend that you're playing like a sixth-string rooted major bar chord where you'd play like the, the open E shape but a G chord. Like, so you're, you're kind of up in this bar chord thing like this, our, my wrist is curled over. Mm-hmm. I'm squeezing tight on this. So what the opposite of that would be open, open up your wrist. So open put your palm. other hand, open up your palm and pull that wrist down for flexibility, flexibility, and then stretch those muscles out. You know, if you want to add more, uh, can I, I'm going to get up for a second. Yeah, you add yeah, more yeah, yeah. benefit to the system. What you can do is you can actually go against the wall. Okay. So put your hand flat against the wall, 
your fingers facing the ground. That's yeah. what you're doing right now. Yeah. And then the and more then you take your neck and bring it away from the side you're working. Because now you're stretching your neck. You're opening up your shoulder. See what position my shoulder's in? Yes. Not this. Yep. It's not the rotated in. It's all of a sudden opening it out like you're opening your chest to the sky. Yep. And then when you bend your head this way, you're stretching your neck. You're also tensioning the median nerve. If you want to get a visual on this, you could probably Google median nerve stretch or median nerve glide. And that's the position that we're yeah. on YouTube. And that's the position we're demoing. So then you're getting a nice stretch that's getting your forearm flexors. It's opening up your hands. You're, t you're drawing your shoulder back posteriorly. Yep. And then you are tensioning the nerve that's powering up all of those forearm flexors, right? So the median nerve eventually powers up and innervates the middle three fingers. Yeah. Um, which on the left arm are traditionally the most, traditionally for most players are the most, uh, the most used uh, fingers in terms yeah. of what we talked about earlier, the exactly. pre-contracted uh, forearm flexion position, so. Yeah, so again, a visual would be palm against the wall, but your, uh, your thumb towards your back. So you don't, don't, Thumb, yeah, so the thumb is towards your back, eye of the elbow facing up at the sky, and turn out, turn your shoulder kind of up, point your uh, chest kind of to the sky, and then pull your head and when, when away you, from when the wall. When you do that, you can really feel a Yeah, lot you of can really even, even, as soon as I start to move yeah. my neck, I even feel it way more in my forearm, which is crazy. I know, now bring your neck the other way, the opposite way. Feel how that completely dissipates? Yeah. And then you go. So now you go the opposite way because and you really. What, what you're doing is you're gliding and tensioning that nerve back and forth. So right there, just by you changing the position of your neck, Corey is feeling change in his forearm and his hand. So that yes. goes back to where me as a chiropractor, I'm not looking at these areas as an individualized system. I'm yeah. looking at the body as a whole and the system as a whole. Yeah. And, you know, the neck and the shoulder and the forearm, they're all connected. And, you know, to, in my opinion, when you have an issue like this, you can't, you know, some chiropractors will only treat the neck and look at the neck and the low back. And you, you just can't do that. You have to look at the system as a whole because those nerves are running all the way down and powering yeah. up those forearms. So I think when you address all those issues together as a whole, then you get a really, uh, a, a really good effect. Yeah. So something very simple you said was, take a look in the mirror at what position are you in when you're doing your activity that's, that's putting a lot of strain on and do the opposite motion. Put it in the opposite motion to stretch it out that's a very nice, simple way to, to think about that. Yeah. How much time should people spend stretching? I think that's another thing, like drink more water. Well, how much, like what's a lot of water? Uh, what, when it comes to stretching, how much, how much should somebody stretch? Couple minutes, 30 seconds, well, I 10 think, minutes? I think a good rule for water drinking while we're on it <laughs> is, is drinking half your body weight in fluid ounces per day. So let's say you weigh 200 pounds. You need to be drinking a minimum of 100 ounces of water per day. Okay. So clean, healthy water, not yeah. not tap water. And that's a whole nother. Uh, Depending on where you live. Yeah. Wormhole. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah uh, 100 ounces minimum. Now, think, of, think about what percentage of people are out there doing that, you know? And I'll tell you, if you're dehydrated, so anything less than that is considered technically dehydration, right? Yeah. So if you're dehydrated, 
all your tissues, your muscles, your nerves, your, you know, all your soft tissues, they're also dehydrated. And if those soft tissues are dehydrated, you're going to be feeling pain symptoms more than you would had they been properly hydrated tissues. So again, simple concept, profound effect. Okay? Yeah. Imagine so, that. So stay hydrated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that seems like just the easiest thing to do that can make a difference. And I think, you know, we as guitar players, you know, we think, oh my gosh, I'm like 93% there. I would do anything to get to 95. Yeah. You know, it's like that 2% makes such a difference from 92 to 90, you know, 4% or 95%, 97%. You know, you, you get closer to the, the, the perfect thing, but people don't always think about the 2% or 10% difference when it goes from 20 to 30%. And some of these sort of things, I, I, I mean, it's, it sounds so ridiculous, but as soon as I started eating a cleaner diet, drinking a lot more water, stretching, taking care of my body, of course, I don't have, I don't have pain in my wrists anymore. I don't have pain in my forearms or fingers anymore. Yeah. Like how, why, why on earth was I not just doing this sooner? So yes, I know that, you know, some people that is going to feel like a lot of water to drink at first, but yeah, yeah, it's well, and you know, I would say if you want to completely change your life on a lot of different fronts, let's say you're getting sick too much. Let's say you're, you know, you're having issues in your arms, your back hurts. If you want to completely change your life, a good way and get improvement in those areas, a good way to start would be to do any sort of exercise daily. I don't care what it is for 30 minutes, drink enough water, try to get at least seven hours of regular sleep. Regular is important. I know that's hard for touring musicians, but yeah. you know, it's, it, 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 it is crucial. We heal in our sleep. Most of our healing occurs in our sleep. And you know, if you're getting bad sleep, it's that proper reset and that proper healing is just not occurring. And, uh, you know, implement some sort of soft tissue maintenance regimen, whether you're getting that from a chiropractor or PT or doing it yourself. But I mean, I think just 10, 15 minutes a day of doing counteractive exercises and some self soft tissue work, some stretches would do wonders, you know, but for a musician who's playing every day, practicing and gigging, I mean, uh, it's more about frequency. So I'd rather you spend 15, I'd rather you spend five minutes a day stretching and doing some self-massage stuff every day yeah. and spending three hours one day a week doing it yeah. um, because it's it's just just maintenance. But Just like any trainer at the gym would tell you the same thing. But, uh, but yeah. I'll tell you too is there's a lot of people who are doing none of that yeah. and they're in pain. Yeah. And I'm like, look, you got to start here. You know, here's some simple things that you can do. And which is why I think we get a real good effect is because we're not just, we're not just telling people to come, come in here and see me. It's trying to implement, you know, trying to get them to implement these simple changes uh, and implement them into their routine. And they can, they can really start feeling better when they start doing that. So to answer your question about how much stretching they should do and how much soft tissue stuff, I mean, just a little bit, but do a little bit each day. Yeah, you know, and, and then try to identify the other things that are playing into the, to the reason why you're while you're hurting, mm-hmm. and and make small changes there too. You don't have to change your life around one hundred, you know, three hundred and sixty degrees to feel better. You know, pain is a our body's warning signal. So if you're having pain issues or something hurts, it's your body's way of alerting your brain that there's something wrong. Okay. Yep. 
it's also the last thing to show up. So you can have problems and restrictions mm. that are some threshold of pain symptoms, right? Which is a lot of what I do with you is you don't necessarily, when, when we see each other, when you're on tour or at a festival somewhere and you yeah. come and get worked on or have me come out to a show to take care of everybody, you're not necessarily hurting or in pain, but you're doing this to prevent that, right? Yeah. And that's because you're aware that there are problems and restrictions that can exist that are sub-threshold of reaching that point to where you're in pain. Yeah. And so, so even though I don't feel that they're there, it's like there might be something underneath that we're just... And you're getting your oil changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Exactly, yeah. But, you know, that being said, if you are having pain symptoms, that you know, there's something wrong. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but, you know, there's something that needs to be done that needs to be changed. And that that is usually something that you need to do to counteract whatever habit or thing that is going on you know the postural exercises the counteractive stuff yeah implement some soft tissue work because these tissues and these muscles that you're using every day are inflamed and they're mm. screaming at you give them a little attention by introducing some stretches working on your posture taking some simple anti-inflammatory uh, supplements or eating some anti-inflammatory foods and maybe removing a couple pro-inflammatory foods yep. uh, would go a long way. You don't see professional athletes usually, you know, scarfing down fried chicken every day and 10 cans of soda. And yeah. it's because those are pro-inflammatory foods. Yeah. And, um, you know, the American diet is very pro-inflammatory. Yeah. And we have a, you know, 11% of our population is considered metabolically healthy. And that's not a lot. It's really low. And which just means metabolically speaking, we're unhealthy. I mean, you can go to a, get a checkout, you know, and say, oh, the doctor can say, oh, you're completely healthy. And you could be drinking 10 sodas a day still. And you're, that's because what they're testing for, you check out on, but that doesn't mean that you're not in a pro-inflammatory state and you're, you know, you're sure. immune compromised and diseases associated with inflammation, you know, cardiovascular diseases, type two diabetes, allergies, asthma, fibromyalgia, autoimmune disorders, skin related conditions, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, MS, strokes, autism, all that is all associated with increased inflammation. So I think if we can curb those inflammatory, uh, the inflammation in our system by eating healthier, maybe taking some anti-inflammatory supplements, you're going to go a long way. Yeah. Not to deviate out of our... Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's... All the cats I listen to in the space of health realm, it's like inflammation is something everybody's talking about and trying to figure out, okay, let's get, let's get people informed. I think it's the cause of pretty much m most diseases in our society these mm. days. You're not the first person I've heard say that. So it's, you know, for anybody listening who doesn't pay attention to that, that's totally fine. All right, let's move to just some general things. We've talked a little bit about the fact that we're hunched over our phones. This is general, just pretty much everybody in society now. Tech neck. Our shoulders are up, like we're at the laptop. Shoulders are hunched over, kind of classic leaned over your laptop sort of thing. Shoulders up to the ears, leaned over, or shoulders up, our phones in our faces, sitting at the you know, whether it be on the train, the subway, or just even on our couch. Less so on the, I think people on the couch, it's a leaning thing, but sitting in a chair kind of leaned forward. We talked a little bit about some stretches or things, but that's, that seems to be a spot that a lot of people are starting to, like almost everybody I know 
it's like, oh, yeah, I carry some tension in my upper back or in my neck. Like we watch, then I look around and watch people. It's like, yeah, it's because you're always hunched over like this, which we talked a little bit about before. But Huge. what are some things? Is there some general? I know some people suggest this kind of chicken wing stretch. Some people suggest different exercises. How can, you know, if, we're not, if people aren't going to just get off their phones, there's some posture things. What are some posture things? And then what are some counterbalancing things to balance out the tech neck we all see these? Sure. So prevention is key, but again, we're not going to get off our phones, right? Yeah. And and it's probably temporary because probably in ten years we're we're going to have like contact lenses that are computers, and you know we're not going to even have phones and computers anymore. <laughs> um, but for the but until then, uh, it, it's it's a huge problem. Yeah. Um, it's probably the most common problem and issue. If I had to boil down, yeah, boil it down to one thing. We're losing the curves in our neck. Our, fo- our uh, we're losing the curve in our low backs too because we're sitting in a slouched position. Mm-hmm. So incorporating extension-based exercises and posterior. We talked about it earlier. Posterior strengthening for so the strengthening sh- the back muscles, upper back muscles, upper back muscles, and the posterior shoulder muscles. Um, getting extension into your mid back. Doing some sort of exercise or technique that's designed to regain the curve in our necks. I have like a device over here that I sell a ton of called the Servipedic okay. uh, M2, Servipedic M2. Um, and it's just a de- device to, that puts extension into your neck. So basically... It stretches the neck back. Exactly. Yeah. So it allows you to put your neck in a position where it has the natural lordotic curvature. So that's the type of curve we're supposed to have in our necks, but yeah. we don't because of our our daily habits and what yeah. we're doing, which is spend, spending too much time looking, looking yeah. down. Um, so inducing that extension into our necks and putting our necks into a position it's supposed to be in a little bit each day will go a long way, just like we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. It's like we're not going to stop looking at our phones and we're not going to stop playing our guitars and we're not going to stop doing these things. So how can we counteract those repetitive motions? Yeah. So in the same way we were talking about repetitive motions earlier and relating them to the muscles we're using in our arms when we're playing our instruments, well, the same thing holds through holds true when we're talking about the repetitive motions that we're doing when we're not on stage, when we're on on the tour bus or yeah. at home sitting on our couch and like staring at our phones like yeah so it's counterbalancing those 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 activities i like a shoulder pullback exercise i prescribe this to a lot of people and that's where you kind of clasp your fingers behind your back and then you so put your hands behind your back by your butt clasp your hands together and you retract your shoulders backwards shoulders back kind of pull your elbows together without bowing your chest out you're like squeezing your shoulder blades together so oh, without you... bowing your chest out yeah so do you see how the only thing moves? yeah so if i go uh, my natural tendency is like to push my chest forward and do that so you're saying just leave my chest in place and pull back like yep, that without bringing your neck down though okay so there keep my go. neck up that's good now you feel that right in between in the middle of your spine right in between your shoulder blades yeah and in the posterior muscles of your shoulder, right? So basically yeah. over your shoulder blades. That's um, exactly where I feel it. Yes, that's a super simple exercise. Is that something you just hold or do you hold for about fifteen or twenty seconds, do it five or time five or ten times throughout the day. Yeah. And it's a super easy, simple practice yeah. that you can do that's getting extension into your upper thoracic spine, into your mid back. It's engaging your posterior shoulder muscles 
and you're structurally drawing your shoulders back. So instead of them being internally rotated yeah. and adducted, so like rolled forward, they're in the opposite position. Yeah. Right. Externally rotated and retracted backwards. Yeah. So then you're counterbalancing the position that your shoulders are in. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when you start to incorporate uh, some exercises designed to get the cur- natural curve back into your neck, then you're working those two areas together and you're getting a, a synergistic effect. You know, because essentially yeah. that's what's happening. Is we're like, really yeah, we're just leaning forward. Yeah, so you're just bringing, pulling everything back the opposite way, like you're saying. Look at yourself in the mirror, pull everything the opposite way. I love that. Sure. And to, to go back to the thing you were talking about earlier, when we were talking about earlier, when I brought up the fact of look at yourself in the mirror and do the opposite. Well, we talked about sitting all the time. Think about it. Four hundred years ago, the only time we sat was to write letters and eat food. And now we're sitting to watch TV. We're sitting because we're on our computers. We're sitting right now recording this podcast. Yeah. And we just, we're sitting so much. And to counteract that, you know, I have a lot of people with low back problems. Yeah. So yeah, it hurts every time I sit. And I'm like, well, let me see you sit. And they're just slouched and they have no lumbar spine extension and no curvature in in their low backs. You know, we're supposed, if you're going to sit, you're supposed to sit like this. Yeah. Nobody does. Yeah, he's sitting in your textbook proper posture. Looks pretty good, doesn't it? That looks good. Thanks, man. Um, but to counteract that, you can do a simple extension-based exercise where it's, it's called a McKenzie pre- press-up extension. McKenzie press-up extension. Got so it. You start off on your stomach here. Laying on your stomach. So you come up on your elbows. Up on your elbows. And like... all I'm doing is putting extension into, the low, into my lumbar spine, yeah. my low back. And... I tell people... You're basically in a cobra pose. Cobra pose. Yeah. But all I'm worried about is putting my lumbar spine into extension. I tell these people that I talked about earlier who come in here and they say, I have this low back pain and it only hurts when I sit. And I say, let me see you sit. And they sit in a slouch position. I I put them in this position. I say, how does that feel? They say, it feels amazing. And then I say, are you ever in this position with anything you do ever? And they say, no. I say, well, you just need to spend more time in this position. Yeah, And it is just such a simple, simple concept that can have such a profound effect. So like I said, it's a lot, a lot of what I do is just making people self-aware yeah. of these things. Now they're empowered to fix it on their own. Yeah. Now, everything we're talking about, all of this physical, the physical exercise, and I, I haven't thought of this is my first time thinking of this, all the... the you know, 20, 30 minutes of exercise every day, all this counterbalancing, all of this stuff, it pretty much gets solved within a, if you did a 30 minute yoga session every day, mm-hmm. like everything I'm seeing, like, oh yeah, the way that you, you know, stretch your wrists, stretch your arms, get balance, all this stuff. Of course, depending on what kind of yoga you do, but I, I try to do, I used to do yoga as my main workout. I would do it probably five, six days a week. Now I'm, I shoot for three days a week and then I do, I, I, I'm like, I'm pretty scrawny. So I, it takes a lot for me to put on weight. So I do lifting twice a week and then sure. I do. And I think that cardiovascular aspect is really important when we talk about act, exercise. Yeah. And you don't know, you do sometimes, but it depends on what kind of yoga you're doing. But sure. I think yoga is great. I mean, it's flexibility. It's, you know, movement. Movement yeah. is medicine. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing is we're sitting too much and we're moving too little. And I think that's, got a lot to do with it is just getting into any practice where you're moving i don't care what it is yeah you know but there's a lot of people out there who aren't doing any any of that 
And so move, if you can find some sort of healthy hobby or thing to do daily where you're moving, you know, I don't care, I don't care how you're moving, but move. Yeah, but just do it. Just do it. Okay, so a couple, couple things that I hear a lot about, just quick things. Give me the fast, just give me the one, two on these, these few things. Ice versus heat. When do you use them? Why do you use them? So a lot of research is that I've, that's funny you asked that because I was just, I've been diving into this recently because my, my girlfriend, Amanda, uh, about eight weeks ago, fractured her foot when we had an ice storm mm-hmm. and, you know, she was constant, do I use ice? Do I use heat? And, you know, I, you, typically what we recommend is using ice to decrease swelling. So if there's ever swelling, you want the swelling decreased. Yeah. There's a lot exactly. of new research that's coming out that suggests use heat or don't use anything at all. Really? Um, but there are certain times where you wouldn't want to use heat when it's a pro and infl- let's say you have a nerve issue going on, right? And there's a lot of inflammation in the area. Well, heat draws blood to the area, right? And so mm. you're going to aggravate that and you're going to bring more inflammation into the system. Now, inflammation has got a bad rap, but sometimes it's necessary. You need it there to do its thing. That's how, yeah. that's how we heal. It's the chronic inflammation that's, yeah. that's a problem. But there's a lot of research coming out that, you know, says... You know, when you put ice on something, you're decreasing blood flow to the area, and blood blood flow is is therapeutic, yeah. right? Like we need it to heal. And so for her, she broke her uh, uh, three metatarsals in her foot, and she showed healing in two of them, but not in one. I think a lot of that had to do with the fact she wasn't using her leg; she was using ice to try to decrease the swelling, and uh, there wasn't enough blood flow getting. You know, the metatarsal is the farthest part from your heart. Rhymes that. <laughs> farthest part from your heart uh in your body and so she just wasn't using that leg and she was icing her foot so there wasn't enough blood getting to this Mm. to this area so what we've done since her last follow-up is i've done tons of work on that leg yeah just soft tissue stuff just trying to wake the leg up because she can't use it because she can't put weight on it yeah and we've been doing uh epsom salt heat baths you Mm -hmm. know hot hot water baths just to try to bring blood flow to the foot. Yeah. And I can tell you her function has just dramatically changed. She's able to kind of walk on that foot now. And so her follow-up x-ray is Friday, but I suspect for us to see to see healing in that bone because yeah. of the same, my, the idea was how can we get blood to this area? Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's, a, it's a, I think that question is overcomplicated sometimes. Yeah, I yeah. think it's almost <laughs> like, hey, don't worry about either. Why don't you focus on doing some other stuff to heal it? Like sure. ice and heat isn't going to magically fix anything, you know. But, but if there's some bad swelling, that's bad swelling. Yeah, let's yeah. get the swelling down with some ice, and you know. So the general principle is: if there's swelling, ice to get the inflammation down. If you need to bring blood flow somewhere, use heat. There you go. Okay. I know you're a proponent for this, which is why I'm asking. I know you could probably go on. We could do an entire hour on this, but. The quick, because I'm seeing this all over the place. People are curious. What's the deal with celery juice? <laughs> <laughs> Why yeah. have I been told? Like, I, I know there's that medical medium guy. People love that dude. I follow him. I've read some of his stuff. Like, yeah, I'll try drinking a, a glass of celery juice every morning for a month and see how I feel. I, I don't know. You know, and I've, I've been doing it for a little while. I'm not totally certain why, but I've been told... It's a great thing, and a lot of people that I respect are like, yeah, dude, I'm down with this. Well, what's the deal with celery how'd you, juice? How did you feel when you did it? I'm in the midst of it right now. Okay. I, I feel good. How, how many weeks deep are you? Two and a half. 
do you feel ener- do you feel a little bit more energy after you you know are you doing it on an empty stomach first thing when you first wake thing up? in the morning brush my teeth go down have a probably 12 to 16 ounces of celery juice there you go and you feel a little increase in energy afterwards right yeah yeah so uh i think that this that drinking celery juice has gotten a lot of people and it's introduced a lot of people to juicing right yeah people who aren't doing it previously Mm -hmm. um the specific minerals and antioxidants in celery juice is kind of why medical medium and a lot of people have chosen celery over other 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 vegetables i also think it's it doesn't have a lot of sugar in it Mm -hmm. you know there's you you go get a juice from the store and you drink it you know blend a juice blend generally there's a lot of natural sugars in there yeah and while other juices are great sugar is not necessarily a good thing in high doses and we well, most of us eat too many sugars anyway sure. and so i think it's the combination of having something with a couple key minerals and nutrients uh doing it on an empty stomach first thing in the morning yeah uh it's got a lot of water in it yeah you know and i'm a big proponent of starting my day with 16 ounces of water on an empty stomach regardless yeah so you're getting into the habit of doing something like drinking 16 ounces of water anyway, but then when you're introducing those additional minerals mm-hmm. and nutrients, it's you're doing it, it. There's benefits where it's filtering your blood. It's starting your day on a good metabolic note and it's setting up the rest of your day to be able to process certain foods metabolically that you wouldn't be able to do if you weren't starting your day off with 16 ounces of water plus those key minerals and nutrients. I love it. So it's a healthy habit, you know, and I think it's gotten a lot of people into a healthy habit. Yeah. It's not something I do every day. I was doing it for a while to try it out and I liked it, but I I also live, I also do a lot of those healthy habits regardless of whether it's celery or, you know, anything else. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, Charlie, thanks so much for being with us. I really appreciate it. I know that you have made a very diff- big difference in my life as far as the way that I think about my body posture as I'm sitting with bad posture right now. Um, thinking about my, the way that my muscles work, thinking about the way that I move in my body. And I know you've made a big difference for a lot of people. So thanks for what you do. Do you want to tell people where you're at or where people can find you? So if they have specific questions or if they want to actually come see you in person? Sure. So yeah, I'm a, you know, I'm based in Nashville, Tennessee. Probably the easiest way to get a hold of me would be to go to my uh, website, which is www.drcharliecouts.com. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at musicians with an S, musicians physician. We're getting ready to rebrand this clinic a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and so you can find our Instagram page at Fine Tune Nashville. So it's going to be called the Fine Tune Clinic. Okay. Uh, we're, we cater all our services towards touring musicians. For all the listeners out there who aren't in Nashville, um, you know, I think, like I said, the key is just finding some somebody. You know, there's a lot of bad chiropractors out there, just like there's a lot of bad dentists out there, but. You know, I and a lot of bad guitar players too. A lot of bad guitar players. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, me being one of them. Um, but uh, find someone who works for you, and I promise you, it can. It's yeah. it, it's really game changer. And I went. You know, it's nobody is cookie cutter, but if you go to a professional who knows what they're doing and can help you out, it will. Ha- it, that person will have a profound 
uh, effect on your life by teaching you the things that you should know to be a better, better guitar player and a healthier human being. So do not hesitate to reach out to me and say, hey, I live here. Can you find someone who may be a good mm. fit for me? And I'm happy to do that for, for any Sweet. of your listeners. So hit me up on Instagram. You can contact me via my website. Um, you know, I think there's just a lot of people out there that are hurting, that are going down the unnecessary path of, you know, my back hurts. They go to the doctor, they get prescribed a painkiller and, you know, that sets them up for, for you know, something that's just masking symptoms and yeah. not achieving what we're trying to achieve. And there's a lot of amazing research studies that kind of show that chiropractic, chiropractic and physical therapy is a great gatekeeping mechanism in terms of pain care and optimizing performance. So. Uh, don't hesitate to reach out to me and uh, with any questions you have, I'm happy to help. It's what I do. Bro, you were sitting that whole podcast with a wallet in your back pocket? Yeah, 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 yeah. So guys, seriously, Corey gets, he just got up out of the chair and he's got this fat wallet. Oh, come on, that bitch is like, there's like a, there's like a, a social connotation with a fat wallet. It's, a, it's not that fat. It's a like, Costanza wallet. It is not a Costanza wallet. There's... Six gift cards, three credit cards, an Oyster card, uh, uh, <laughs> some pictures of my kids, and my license. He gets up with this fat wallet in his back right pocket. So for the last hour, we've been sitting here, and he's got <laughs> it's it's a it's one of the more common causes of chronic low back pain in males over thirty. Uh, if you can visualize it, when you're sitting with a wallet in your back pocket, your pelvis is unlevel, and you're, it would, that would have a, an effect on the convexity or the lateral curvature of your spine. And so Corey's sitting here and-, and Charlie's I'm, roasting me. I'm roasting him. He's causing <laughs> micro injury to his low back every time for, for every minute we, we were sitting here. All right, I'm gonna, the wallet's out. The wallet's out and I'm not gonna sit on my wallet the rest of the day. So a key takeaway here is I want any of you listeners out there who are currently sitting with a wallet in your back pocket or sitting with a wallet in your back pocket at any point for that matter to remove the wallets when you sit or keep it in the front pocket the whole time however you want to do it and and if you have low back problems they'll probably go they'll go away or diminish there we go all right awesome thanks man appreciate it thanks Corey. peace time for a chiropractic adjustment now yes there you have it the musician's physician like I said, Charlie Charlie helps take care of me and my band when we're traveling through Nashville and also on festivals and stuff. I see him all the time in festivals and that sort of thing. But you can check him out. He's in Nashville. He's he's open for appointments. Hit him up. Hit him up. And like he said, if you're looking for a person, he'll help you out. So find him on Instagram, Facebook, anywhere else on the internet. Dr. Charlie, the musician's position. We'll see you next time. Peace.